Well, welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Your host, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story, joining you on Monday, the Septem- September 27th, 2021. Okay, I'm glad I didn't do that in church yesterday. <laughs> I'm 30 seconds into the show and I'm stumbling all over myself. Thankfully, that didn't happen when I was the guy who got to stand up at the uh, pulpit and read scripture. <laughs> That was what I was afraid was happening yesterday. Thank you, Lord. It was at the beginning of this show and not in church. So, <laughs> so September 27, 2021. Yes, we are a couple days late. That's because, uh, you know, if, if you've ever seen the 1950s movie Them with the giant ants, that was Rich this weekend. He was having a battle with insects, and so we gave him a couple of days to rouse the buggers out. And uh, we, we're back on track, and we're moving forward. Uh, but thank you for being with us. Uh, we are very, very grateful to have you. want to remind you, as always, we are part of the Christian Podcast community. That is a, a, a congregation, well, congregation is not a good word because that's that's a church thing. That is a, a conglomeration, that's the word I'm looking for, of Christian podcasts of like-minded brethren who come together to help promote and cross-promote each other's programs and sometimes actually be on each other's programs. And well, and all of us, we, we really just have to tolerate Andrew. He's the one that kind of heads that thing up along with the rest of the board. Uh, so we all come together. We tolerate Andrew so that we can uh, <laughs> we can come together and put these programs out. So if you're ever looking for a really, really good program, and as much as I bust on Andrew, he's got some good ones on there, uh, go to podcast.strivingforeternity.org. You're always going to find a good program there. And want to always encourage you to come check out our website at slavetothekeng.com. That is where you will find all things related to this program. All Voice of Reason radio material uh, is connected there. Now, as Rich reminded me, and I think I said this last program, if you use the mobile site, sometimes some of those links don't come up because they're on the sidebar, and on phones, they don't show up so well. So uh, you may have to hit the little, if you use like Google Chrome, and I hear everybody screaming at me, don't use Google. But if you use Google Chrome, you can you can hit that thing that says uh, request desktop site or turn your phone sideways or, or your iPad sideways. And I just made all the Samsung users scream. Uh, so <laughs> I'm off to a rip and start, Rich. Uh, but you can, uh, you can find it that way. I will, when I get back from G3, I will spend some time to try and figure out how to play with the mobile version of the site. So some of those things are a little easier to find. Uh, but things like our, uh, our links to the uh, store at doctrineandlife.co where you can find Voice of Reason radio products such as our t-shirts. Um, you can find that there. You can also find the uh, the link to our Patreon page if you are interested in supporting and putting this, uh, this continue to put this uh, show on the air. And uh, our social media links, our contact us page, the whole nine yards. That's our one-stop shop. We really encourage you to check that out, especially as we see more and more of social media kind of coming under the techno oligarchy that uh you know that is going on where they're trying to push out voices um we don't know if there's ever going to come a day where we just can't be on apple podcasts or we can't be on social media that's a really good place to to link up and you know sign up to get the latest updates and our show will always be on there as long as uh wordpress doesn't kick us off so (laughs) we're small enough we've we've managed to avoid uh Avoid the oligarchs, but we'll we'll see what happens for the future. But we are so looking forward to uh, spending some time with you this evening. We actually had a viewer requested episode this week, Rich. But before we go into that, how are you doing, brother? 
Well, I was pretty good a couple of days this week, but I got over it. <laughs> well, we don't we don't want you we don't want you doing well. We don't want you you know we never want to be doing well. You know you should yeah that, that that's a good thing yeah just get over that we we don't want you to do well. <laughs> no, brother, I'm just pleased and thankful to be here with you again this week. This is th- well, I guess three weeks in a row. So I guess we're yeah. back on a roll. Um, which is week, which we is all going to be, be it's all going to be messed up because I'm not going to be here. <laughs> well, we'll 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 find an interesting rerun to to post. Maybe we'll dig way back and find one that never really got any traction and and see if we've picked up any new listeners. I have one in mind, and I'll, <laughs> I'll mention it to you after we finish recording. But um, I'm just thankful and glad to be here, brother. I always enjoy spending time with you and discussing things of the Bible and other issues that are going on in the, in the world today. But, um, I will ask the listeners to be praying for you and for all those that are traveling and attending the G3 conference that from things I've seen posted online, it looks like it's going to be a really, really great conference. And a lot of dear brothers that we both know from really around the world that are planning on attending. So, uh, um, Hoping, I'm hoping and praying that one of these days you and I can attend one of these conferences <laughs> together. Um, I'm just not at the at the moment not physically able to make a trip of that duration. Yeah. Um, honestly, um, these days I do good to make it 30 miles down the road without <laughs> the ride beating me to death. Yeah. So, but um, just know that you and the brothers are in my prayers, and I ask that the listeners be in prayer for all of you as attending as well, because I know it's going to be, it should be a really great one. There's some great speakers lined up and a lot of dear brothers and sisters planning on attending. And I look forward to hearing some of the audios once they get posted after, you know, during the course of the conference and when it's, when it's complete, I will ask you this, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. <laughs> Is there any one speaker that you're looking forward to? sitting under and listening to more so than any others while you're at G3. You know, if, if I didn't say James White, he'd probably get mad, but no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, honestly, the, the, <laughs> the, um, the lineup is, they have such a massive uh, amount of people that are going to be there. And I was looking at the, the you know, the actual uh, schedule and I'm like, it's it's like taking a drink from a fire hose. I'm like, oh my goodness, how well, am I gonna? It, this year really and truly is a, is comparable to a shepherd's conference, is it not? Uh, in, when in, it comes to the speakers that they have. Oh yeah, and and it might even be more so because I mean, I looked, at, I I get to go to shepherd's conference next year. My wife was very gracious to let me to do that, and um, you know, I think they have even more on tap speakers than shepherd's conference has and so that's that that's just a a testimony to how large this is and from what i understand we're talking in excess of six thousand attendees so this is going to be a massive event um honestly i mean it's it's a it's hard to say who i would want to to sit and listen to more although i absolutely cannot wait to see sit in on daryl and virgil's uh live podcast recording for for just thinking you know that's going to be 
that is going to be a massively awesome opportunity. And they're going to be talking about the antichrist of black liberation theology. I'm like, ah, I'm not missing that. There's no way on earth I'm missing that. Um, but I think if there's any, and this seems like such a disservice to every speaker, but maybe the one I'm most anxious to see is Vody Balcom, um, because he was at the um, the Shepherds Conference in 2019 when I was there, but I missed it. You know, I, I I forget what it was I was doing. I got sidetracked, or I was with somebody, and I ended up missing his Book session. <clears throat> yeah, but well, shush, <laughs> hush you. Um, but so I missed that one. So I really look for, and especially after what what happened with Vody with his heart uh, heart issues. To have him not only well and able to speak, but to be present there. I'm looking very much forward to that. I had to laugh, though. From what I understand, when Paul Washer last spoke, the dude went over time and basically cut himself off and just said, good day, and walked off the stage. So <laughs> I, I laughed. I looked at the schedule. They've got him at the end of day two. He's the last speaker that day. Hmm, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> But uh, I, I'm That's really funny. looking. I'm looking forward to so many of these, especially with the topic being on Christ Himself. You know, all the different, uh, you know, the different ser uh, sermons that'll be preached on this. Let me see if I can. Where's that schedule at? Hold on a second. I'm going to read some of these to you guys, just so you understand what's coming up. And by the way, if well, you, uh, oh, I'm go ahead, go ahead, brother. I'm going to completely throw you off. Uh oh, here we go. If you see Paul, if you see Paul Washer. Walk up to him, slap him on the back, and tell him I said howdy. <laughs> I'm afraid to do that. Did you see the video that people were sharing of him in his suit working out? I don't think I want to mess with that. No, I didn't. <laughs> there was there was some video clip that somebody, he's in his suit and tie. They're showing him some gym. He starts doing pull-ups. He lays down on the bench. He's doing butterflies. And these were not lightweights. The dude's a beast, man. Now I'm like, nah, I don't think I want to mess with that. Uh, <laughs> See, the thing is, you have enough sense not to do that. I would be crazy enough to go up to him and, and actually do something like that. And, you know, I don't know if it just means that my marbles are completely gone or I'm that bold or what, but it might be um, a little of both. My wife, yeah, that's what my wife has to deal with on a daily basis because. Yeah. Pray you for know, Suzanne. I, I'm nuts. <laughs> I'm a little. I'm a little nuts like that. You know, what would typically scare someone to death, I enjoy, and what <laughs> people tend to enjoy scares me to death. So you know, I'm just a little bit, a little bit outside the box all the way around. Maybe just a little bit. Maybe just. So okay. To get so give you an idea. I mean, the the top the the topic is Christ. Titles session titles. Who is Jesus? Christ, the head of the church, the utopian marriage with Christ in heaven. The darkness of Golgotha, the suffering servant, the excellency of Christ, the deity of Christ, Christ in creation, worship the Son of God, Christ became a curse, Christ the foundation of cleansing, Christ and authentic peace, and the light of Jesus' resurrection. I mean, my goodness, and that's that's the main sessions and the, the the sheer volume of breakout sessions. I mean, each, you know, there's two days of breakout sessions. Owen Strand on Christ as eternal judge. Justin Peters, a different Jesus, the aberrant Christology of the word faith, new apostolic reformation movement. Stephen Nichols is going to... That's uh, a mouthful. Yeah, it's Justin Peters. I mean, the man doesn't do anything simple. Uh uh Stephen Nichols, of course, is going to be there talking about R.C. Sproul. Uh, you know... Um, Scott Aniel, Christ-centered worship, 
Harry Walls, Paul's Pattern for Maximum Discipleship Impact. Oh my goodness. Uh, James Coates is going to be there, by the way, and he's going to be pre- uh, preaching on Take Up Your Cross and Follow uh, Me, uh, uh, speaking of Christ. Uh, do not be afraid, Christ-centered expository preaching. Of course, what else would Tom Buck be preaching about? Uh, Nathan, Nathan Busnitz on our witness to Christ. Uh, Christ's righteousness and infused or imputed. Uh, and another one on uh, all-sufficient pre-incarnate Christ. I mean, all these breakout sessions, all these speakers, all and, and 6,000 plus attendees. And from what I understand, a massively awesome book uh, book vendor area. Cannot wait. Uh, <laughs> if, if you cannot find me at G3, look for me in the books area. You'll find me. I'll be drooling over something. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm this, so this will be a true. This will truly be a bibliotopia. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. I have to be careful what I get because I have to bring it back. <laughs> and they already charge you for that extra suitcase. So if I put too much weight in it, they're going to charge me double. So I... well, it may be cheaper to ship your books home. <laughs> you might be right. But, I mean, my goodness, the, the lineup is massive. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Actually, I have an I have a I have an idea for you. Hmm. All the books that you buy, you can just ask James White to load them up in his camper <laughs> and bring and drive them back home with him. You know, I'm sure that would go over so well. Do, <laughs> he, he could pile them in the back and sit on them while he's doing his show or something, and keep them out of his way. And he, he could just drive the 400 pounds of books back <laughs> when when he makes his trip home, and you could just catch up with him somewhere on the road because. <laughs> It's really not that far from where you live to Phoenix, is it? Uh, maybe about 10, 12 hours, I think, is about... You That's know, not bad. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you know, you might be on the road for a while to get down there. I think when we drove down north of Phoenix, it took us, I think, over 10 hours, maybe 11, 12 hours. Uh, so, it's a little ways. Uh, but, yeah, I... I don't think I'm going to be driving down to the surface of the sun, a.k.a. Phoenix, Arizona, anytime <laughs> in the near future. Uh, my wife's already get, being very, very patient with me, taking now, now three trips. Oh, see, I've been on, this will be trip. In the last year, I went, see, last year I went to Cruciform Conference then, now I'm going. Uh, I'm going to. Or this year I went to Crystal Corner Conference. I'm going to G3 this year. I'm going to uh, down to uh, Shepcon in in uh, March. I think if I try to take any more trips, my wife's going to have a serious talk with me. So. <laughs> well, didn't you go to Shepcon this year? No, they canceled it. Thank you, L.A. County. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's so, right. That's why I'm able to go to G3 because the money I had set aside for that is uh, got funneled over to going to G3. So. Um, you know, this, this may be the only opportunity I get. And by the way, I have, I've been saying, and somebody, uh, reminded me of this. I've been saying, if you want to see us do something like, uh, Nathaniel Jolly and Eki Teps Pornchai for their, their podcast, they're going to have a table there. And I've been saying, Hey, if you guys would like us to see, see, uh, see us do that at G3 or somewhere else, um, we, we sure could use your help. And somebody reminded me, unless they say otherwise at this conference right now, G3 is going to be every other year. But if I remember correctly, and we'll know more when they when they put out the announcements uh, in, in just a couple of days, um, they were supposed to hopefully put on some sort of smaller G3-esque uh, 
uh, conferences around uh, around the country. So I don't, I have not heard on anything like that. Virgil, you need to get that moving on that man. Some of us want to go to these things. Um, yeah, like he's listening, but <laughs> like like I got Virgil's uh, ear here. Uh, but well, so. I, I will say this: if Virgil is listening, I would greatly appreciate if you would put on one of the mini G3 conferences in either Birmingham, Alabama, Memphis, Tennessee, or Jackson, Mississippi. If it's one in one of those three locations, I might actually be able to attend. Yeah. Let, we've got to find a way to get, see, uh, y'all still don't understand this. Rich and I have been doing this, this program for five and a half years and we've not met face to face. We've seen each other on, on, on you know, a video. We've, we've, we've done the, the, the zoom and the Skype calls and, and uh, stuff like that. We have not met face to face because I've not had anything take me down to Mississippi, and Rich don't travel much. So you, you guys got to help us out. Sadly, <laughs> you're actually going to be in the South at the same time as I am, <laughs> two states over. Although it is still probably a eight-hour drive from my home to Atlanta. Yeah. And that is assuming that I actually didn't get lost while I was in Atlanta, but because um, it's been several decades since I was in Hotlanta. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, you, you may need, even though it's going to be the 1st of October, make sure you bring plenty of handkerchiefs because you will still <laughs> be soaking wet the moment you walk outside. Yeah. It's no. still that humid in the south. I, I, I remember getting off the plane when I got to, uh, when I was going to my, my duty station, Fort Knox, and I had been in Nevada for many years at that point, and I got off the plane and didn't even get into the. I was wasn't even outside yet. I just got on the gangway to the building, and my clothes went sucked to my body, and I went, "Oh, that's right, humidity." <laughs> Forgot what that's like. So we don't get that much out here. Uh, okay, okay. We went way beyond our normal length of time in the chatter, but if we had to do it, well, we had to do let, it. Let, well, um, I, I enjoyed it, and if. If you've listened through all of this, Lord love you, because just Chris and I have been rambling and, and joking around. We may need to put a disclaimer to fast forward through the first 15 minutes of tonight's episode. Exactly. But actually tonight, we will be addressing a show suggestion from a listener. Why don't you share about that with, yeah, we, with those tuning in? Yeah, we actually, we, we do ask you guys to, to say, hey, if there are topics you want us to talk about, let us know. And uh, Eileen sent us one that was actually very interesting. Uh, she was referencing the fact that, um, and, and we've all heard of this, you know, you know, you know, there's the, the prepper phenomenon and, and it kind of originated with the Mormon church and Rich has got, I know you pulled some articles on that and we'll talk about that, but it's also kind of spread out a bit. And she had a question about, you know, this idea of the, the whole prepper thing about, lining your your entire house full of uh of food and, and 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 stuff like that and her question was how about a christian view of trusting god to provide versus planning for a food shortage she says prepping seems to be a hot idea among many i was even told the other day it's no different than retirement savings but i don't see hoarding in the bible uh but folks are arguing about it and, and so she was great uh, she was you know wanted to send us that and say how would how do we respond to that? And I think that's a great question because I think 2020 really kind of we saw what could happen when supply chains kind of you know broke up just a little bit. So um, you know I think this is one of those things where, especially within the Christian church, 
we can kind of get, I don't want to say caught up or wrapped up in this because I don't want to make it sound like we are totally against the, the idea of being prepared for things. But I think there are some uh, aspects of this that we want to address and make sure that however, you, wherever you fall on this, you're falling on a biblical, on a biblical basis. But the, you know, if, if you're not sure what we mean by prepper, you know, there's actually, there are actually television programs called preppers. And it's this idea of buying massive amounts of, of food, uh, shelf stable products, water, you know, uh, you know, um, those buckets that, that can last up to 25 years and they're like six months worth of rice and beans and stuff like that. So this idea of having more than you would, you know, an, an average home would have in preparation for some sort of uh, point where you can't get to the store or some disaster has occurred or you've, you've fallen on hard times, that kind of thing. So having additional stuff in preparation for something and there are some people to take it to a major extreme which is why there's a television program on reality tv channels that you can watch about this but from a christian perspective how do we address that because there are some questions that, that come up with the idea of you know are we trusting god is this just simply being prepared even though God's in charge, etc. So, Rich, why don't we start with you? You dug up some information on kind of the, as she, as she points out, kind of the originators of this, not the only ones who've ever done it, but kind of the originators of this, at least in our modern context, has been more of the Mormon Church, right? Well, in in her message, she did say that Mormons are prepping like crazy, but so are some Christians. Um, first, want to kind of backtrack a little bit and give a little background on Mormonism. Actually, they have not recently started prepping. That has been a practice of the Mormon Church mm -hmm. since its founding, and most people agree that the Mormon Church was founded in 1830 when the Book of Mormon was published. Um, I won't go, we won't, <coughs> this topic tonight is not about the Mormon Church or the LDS Church, but just some background when it comes to what do Mormons believe. Um, first off, ever since the Mitt Romney presidential run, Mormonism has tried to become more normalized among Christianity, where Mormons and the LDS Church consider themselves Christian, but biblical Christianity does not consider Mormonism as Christianity, because Actually, Mormons believe in a different gospel. Um, they, one of the few things they embrace um, are four different texts, the Christian Bible, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. And according to LDS Church, Adam and Eve lived in Davies County, Missouri, after being driven from the Garden of Eden. Um, okay, that's beyond anything that is in the Bible itself. Um, and there's a lot of other major issues that distinguish Mormonism from Christianity. One of the things being is that they don't recognize the Trinity, excuse me, they don't recognize the Christian concept of the Trinity, meaning God existing in three persons, but they believe it's the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost are actually three separate gods. So there's another major distinction that shows why Mormons are not 
Christians. Um, and there's, there's a lot of information it gets into about um, their lifestyle and what they believe and don't believe. Like they think it's a sin to consume alcohol, tobacco, coffee, tea, anything with an external type stimulant or depressant introduced into your body. Um, they believe in different clothing rituals and wearing special undergarments that have religious significance like the temple garment and the, the attires, this attire is worn by adult members who make sacred promises to God. Um, actually, not all Mormon churches accept the label Mormon because just like within Christianity, within the Mormon LDS church, there's been a lot of different branches and because the term Mormon has become so derogatory over the years, they've tried to distinguish and separate themselves. Um, but one of the major things that distinguish Mormon beliefs from true Christianity is because um, Joseph Smith is considered a prophet. He founded the Mormon church after receiving visions from different entities, I guess you would say, among which was uh, the fact that he asserted John the Baptist appeared to him while he was translating the Book of Mormon and instructed him to restore the church by preaching the true gospel. Okay, um, I think those examples are enough to distinguish the fact that Mormons are not actual biblical Christians. Sadly, in today's world, people don't know the difference. They hear the word Christianity, and anybody that claims to be a Christian or claims the name of Christ you know, that encompasses all of it. So, you know, you must be a Christian since you believe in Jesus. Well, the problem is a lot of these false beliefs and false cults and false religions claim to believe in Jesus, but they're not believing in the Jesus of the Bible. Now, getting to tonight's topic, why is all that important? Well, it goes to distinguish the fact that Mormons are not Christians and that what they believe is not what biblical Christians believe when it comes to the Bible. One of the concepts behind the way Mormons store food, they encourage their members, whether they live on a farm, a big giant house, or even in a small apartment, they teach the congregation, they teach their assembly how to store food, how to rotate it, how to make the most out of space that you have within your home, whether it's an apartment or a home, things such as... Uh, coffee tables that are hollow inside that have places and, and storage areas that you could put food. And they go even so far as to teach people how to rotate that food so they don't have old stale stock and how to keep it rotated and, and how to use all this. And then on a larger scale, you know, like in a larger Mormon home with a basement, they can, they store dried foods, canned foods, and they rotate that inventory. Um, they have three different levels of storage that they encourage, one of which is, a, is up to a year's worth of food and water on hand at all times. That's for like a major disaster, major catastrophe. Um, I, in prepping for this show, I went through and I read a dozen or so different blogs written by Mormons when it comes to food storage and being prepared and on the surface, it sounds like it might be a good idea. Well, yeah, you know, there's all kinds of things going on in the world today. We need to have, you know, enough food and water on hand to, to last or to survive. Um, all this really started coming back up during COVID when 
different states and different individuals were looking at the Church of Mormon, especially those located within Utah, because I think in Utah and a couple of other states, the Mormons have like mega, mega warehouses. Yeah. I'm talk- we're talking multi-million dollar warehouses with multi-million dollars worth of food stored in it. Um, they, they, on the surface, it sounds great. You know, we're prepared. We're ready for any disaster. Even some states have looked at their system of, of storage and, and food rotation and everything else for natural disasters. Even FEMA um, have, have looked and investigated the way Mormons approach this, you know, because, you know, FEMA's part of their thing is to be able to bring in food during disaster relief. But the problem is, um, when it comes down to it, on the surface, it sounds like, yeah, they're, they're trying to make sure that their members have enough food and water. And if anyone else needs help, you know, we'll be here and we'll be able to provide them help. One problem is Mormons are, seems like they are willing to help others, but they're not willing to accept help from others. That um, if, in a case of an extreme emergency, they're supposed to accept help only from other Mormons, not from those outside the Mormon religion. That's problematic in itself. But even going even deeper in the motives behind Mormons' food storage and food preparation and disaster relief, it gets down into eschatology, and we won't go into all of that, but one of their base core beliefs behind storing and doing all this is because they believe during the end times, the world is going to be in such turmoil and disaster. They're going to need that to prepare and and to be prepared and to survive and last out the last days right before Christ returns, of which we have no idea when that may or may not. Well, it will occur, but we have no idea when it will occur. We don't know if it'll be today, tomorrow, next week, or a thousand years from now. So they're, they're making preparations for end times, not knowing whether they're going to be ones that endure it or not. So, you know, that gets into a little bit more deeper issue. Now, the real question that we're looking at, there's a difference between hoarding, being prepared, and putting your trust in your material goods and material wealth versus the sovereignty of Christ. And as Christians, we need to be able to look at and distinguish and understand the differences in those three things. I will add this real quick, Chris, and and then you jump in. Mm -hmm. One of the bases for the Mormons' preparation and putting back food, they look back in the Old Testament when when Joseph was in in charge of of everything in Egypt, the grain stores and all that, and Joseph, because of the Lord speaking to Joseph and telling him to put back this grain and be prepared for this famine, that that's an example that we should be prepared for long-term disasters, even ones that we don't know about that are long off down the road. The problem is Joseph was an individual specific incident. Mm -hmm. The Lord spoke to Joseph, gave Joseph the prophecy, told Joseph what was going to happen, but also the Lord had a purpose in that, that he did not reveal to Joseph, but that was to bring Joseph's family into the land of Egypt and for them to grow and prosper and eventually be enslaved and set free. Um, that was a specific role. 
for Joseph as a prophet and as a leader of the country. That is actually something that biblically kings were responsible for were the people under their rule, meaning that a good king would make sure there was enough food and water on hand for the people during the non-growing seasons to last them until the following growing season and at times have enough extra in storage to sell to other kingdoms. That was, that's a specific role that was given to kings up until, you know, the modern era when, when kingship rule was no longer a thing. But I just kind of wanted to point that out. Um, we, we have a different mm-hmm. duty now as Christians as individual Christians versus the, the rule and role and the, the authority and the responsibilities of a government. I'm not saying that the government should be able to provide for everybody in every circumstance, but there's definitely biblical principles given, given to governing, governing authorities that you know they should be able to provide for, for widows and orphans and things along these lines that the Bible mandates. One of the problem is, in today's world, we tend to forget that the Bible says, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. And right. in today's world, part of the problem, when we get into a lot of these different issues, is that we have too many people not wanting to work, but still wanting to get paid mm-hmm. to sit on their butts and play video games. Mm-hmm. And that's not what the Bible teaches. <laughs> but getting back to this, what is the difference between being prepared, being a hoarder, and not trusting in the sovereignty of, of the Lord. So I'm going to kind of roll it back over to you now for a moment. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think that's those are key questions that we need to ask. I, when, I know we, you found a couple of interesting articles that you had sent my way when we were talking about this topic. And one of them, I actually kind of like what this guy did. His name's uh, Frank Piermain, and he's got a, a website called Ultimate Survival Space. And it says, what does the Bible say about prepping and hoarding food? And he actually did, I think, a fair job. He didn't just say, here's all the stuff that says you need to prep. He actually even went and said, okay, well, here's where it says things that are negative about, you know, being uh, preppers and hoarders and stuff. And so he, I think it was a fairly balanced presentation. Um, But there are, you know, when we're looking at scripture and and like you say, there are differences in our culture and our, our society today than what scripture uh, the the society that exists when scripture was written in its various uh, you know stages, but the principles remain, and so that's you know we recognize we recognize that the scriptures are our source of authority. What we go to, it is everything we need for life and godliness. And so, I, I give this guy some 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 props for putting out. I think, a, a, and I'll put the show the link in the show notes, um, but. He put he put up some passages that I believe are very accurate in in its representation that the idea that there is a command for us as individuals to use wisdom when it comes to having what we need and he points to things like Proverbs twenty one twenty where it says the wise store up choice food in olive oil but the fool gulps theirs down so the idea that you just you you store up what you need uh, as compared to the person who just eats everything and there's nothing left. Um, 
And in Proverbs 28, 19, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. The idea of working hard and having abundance so that you have what you need, as opposed to just wasting and, and, and whiling away the time. And of course, you know, Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Again, this idea of working hard and providing. Um, and of course, a, a passage that I talked about recently in a, in a different topic, 1 Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Again, this idea that you are providing we don't waste away. We uh, we don't waste our time. We don't waste our resources. We ensure that our family and our loved ones have what they need. So you know we want to start with the recognition, Rich, that there is a multitude of, of of scriptural evidence that we can and should be preparing for providing for our families. So the question becomes, what is legitimate preparation you know how far do we need to take it how far do okay. we need to go go ahead okay brother. one thing one thing real quick all of those verses there's one word that will define all of that and that word is moderation mm -hmm. moderation when it comes into what we're consuming into what we're doing moderation is what most of those verses are speaking of Beyond that, it's also we need to look at the historical biblical context. We're we're speaking of an agrarian society mm -hmm. whose, you know, their source of not income but their source of food was farming, was raising their crops, raising wheat, raising you know animals, and just like the one about the the proverb with with the oil, you know, that goes back to what I just said: moderation. When it comes to, you know, okay, we've got all this food. We're just going to eat it all up. Five days from now, we're going to be about to starve again. Mm -hmm. That type of preparation is what the Bible's talking about is because in an agrarian society, they live from one season to the next during the growing season, the harvest season. Then they have a season where there's nothing growing. And they have to wait till the time to harvest once again. They have to be able to store up enough during the off season, you know, so they'll have enough food to last. One thing too, throughout the Bible in the Old and New Testament, what was the mainstay when it came to food? What was their number one food that you see talked about throughout all of Scripture? Oh, More so than anything else. Oh, grain is, is probably bread. one of the yeah, bread and grain. Bread. Yeah bread bread that's why jesus talked about bread being the bread of life that he was the bread of life because they understood and knew that bread was what they used to sustain themselves for food and sustenance was bread or you know in in the gospels fish bread and fish you, you see that talked about more so than anything else but throughout all of the bible bread is the mainstay when it comes to a food source that's because grain could be stored, and they used the grain to make bread, and bread was their mainstay. Mm -hmm. You know, now in today's world, I'm not sure if we have one particular food source that you know you would say that everyone eats. But during this time, 
and during throughout really all all of the Bible, bread was the number one food source. So we need to keep that in mind. And without having that grain stored, they wouldn't have grain. They couldn't make bread during the all season. So that's something we need to keep in mind. And I know someone's listening thinking, well, what does this have to do with prepping and hoarding? <laughs> well, it gets back to what you just asked. How long should we be preparing for? How long, you know, what's the difference now between being prepared and actual hoarding? Yeah. And I think, honestly, it will it will differ between individuals and it will differ between whatever region of the country you're living in. Just like now recently, New Orleans had the hurricane. You know, for, for, for that area, a two-week supply on hand is what the, the <coughs> local authorities had told the, the citizens in that area because they expected to be without power for a couple of weeks because of so many power lines got knocked down. So in that situation, you know, those individuals need to be able to live off of what they have for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. without electricity, without refrigerators, without stoves, without ovens. You know, all these modern conveniences that they did not have available during the times of the Bible. You know, there was no deep freezes. There was no refrigerators. You know, there there was a stove of, of ovens of sorts, but it wasn't electric, needless right. to say. So, I mean, you have to use a little common sense and look at it. But in today's world, you know, with the conveniences of supermarkets and grocery stores and big box chain stores, do we really need to be going in and over time, having a year's worth of food and supplies on hand for most of us. What do you think? Well, I, I think there's, I mean, we go back to, to 2020, and even now we're still seeing the impact of it. Um, the idea of stores and big box chains not always having what we need. Now, when we went through 2020 and everything was on lockdown and people were buying a lot of stuff, having additional food items on hand because you're not working, having additional products that you need for whether it's water or oh my goodness the toilet paper story oh yeah 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 um i st- I, I swear some of you still have toilet paper in your attics i'm sure of it um <laughs> but the idea of having additional items on hand because there are there are times of uncertainty i think there is some wisdom in that even though we don't live in the agrarian society and we're not living from season to season because we've watched what happened when supply chains are disrupted. However, what you said is, I think, key in this. We, you know, the idea that we can, for ourselves, determine, I'm going to have a year of food so I know that I have everything I need. I have a year of product or whatever. Um, when I when we started thinking or talking about this subject, one of, there was two passages that came to my mind. And the first was in Luke chapter chapter 12 and um it starts in verse 13 and it's the parable the rich fool now listen to what we're what we're saying don't take this as an assault upon you if you think that we're using this to say you're a fool i want you to hear what we're saying teach uh, you know as it says in verse 13 someone in the crowd said teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me but he said to him Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to him, said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for all for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So that's the first place to start. You know, is it wrong to say, Hey, I, you know, we have an inheritance. I should have my portion. 
Um, don't don't be you know withholding. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But this individual was coming to Christ because not because he was seeking justice, but because hey, I I've, I've been denied what I should have. And his his immediate uh, you know his immediate assessment is this is an individual who's dealing with covetousness and a desire to have uh, abundance of possessions. And then he goes into the parable. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. For there I will store all my grains and my goods. Next verse, verse 19. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, let's stop and think for a second. You have a man who's... You know he's he has land. It is producing plentifully. He is you know he is uh, so much in abundance that he has to be able to to create additional storage. Are any of those things in and of themselves wrong? No, of course not. It is God who provided the abundance. We don't have growth. We don't even have famine apart from God's sovereign will. Yet he is already kind of looking at it like. I have accomplished this. I have done this. I will tear down my barns. I will store my grain. So what is, where is he putting his focus? On himself, on his ability. And then he takes it one step further to say, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So in his arrogance, he has determined, not only have I accomplished these things, but I am set for some time to come. This is where... The issue of, and you know, when I look at what's going on with the the kind of the prepper community, the prepper mentality, and I want to be very cautious about this because I'm not trying to insult people when I say this. I want you to just think about what's being said. In verse 20, Christ says, "But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be?" So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In that moment, this individual believed he had all that he needed for time to come. Okay, please understand what we're saying. He believed he accomplished exactly what he set out to do and was the, was laid up in abundance for himself and would be able to rest and be able to in, uh, be provided for for a long period of time. He believed in his ability that he had accomplished this. Yet the sovereignty of God smacks him dead in the face. And that's when God says, fool, your soul is required of you uh, this night. You know, this is where Rich, when I say, you know, this idea of laying up for an extended period of time that we believe we can we can overcome anything that comes our way by having abundance and whether it's just having plenty of stored, uh, you know, shelf stable goods, plenty of water, etc. If we go into it with the idea of I'm going to have this so that when this happens, I'm ready. We have to, you know, there's, there's an, a, a problem there that we are not giving acknowledgement to the sovereignty of God. And 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 for and I just one other thing and and then I'll let you uh, have the mic here. This for those who say, well, I also do this for my neighbors. Again, 
if you do, you may have great intentions. It may not be that wanting to be prepared for a future for the future is a bad thing, but if you believe that in doing this, you are going to overcome whatever's coming. Like this, the the rich fool, we can be guilty of utterly ignoring what God's sovereignty says will happen today, tomorrow, next day, and next year. So the idea that, Rich, that we can be prepped and be ready, as and this is in no way to say we shouldn't be thinking about the future or we should, I mean, when 2020 happened, my wife and I, we, well, we bought, went and bought a little extra chicken. We bought, you know, we bought a couple extra things, a hamburger, put them in the freezer just in case, you know, for a short period of time so that, you know, if things, if the supply chain was disrupted, we had a little bit. So there's nothing about saying it's not, it's a bad idea to have extra. It's this idea that, Rich, where I, I see an issue with thinking that we will be prepared for what is to come, like God has no say, I think that's where the, a lot of the danger falls. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. But there's one other aspect that sin plays in when it comes to hoarding and prepping, and that's pride. Um, just one of the examples from the passage you read one of one of the examples that could be taken from that is pride, mm-hmm. not wanting to have to say, I need my neighbor, I need to ask for help. Pride in, in saying, well, I've done this myself, I'm going to be okay, I, I've got plenty to last me long enough, I can rely on nobody but myself, I don't have to trust in the Lord's sovereignty or the Lord's provision. Um, pride can play a big part in that when it comes to not wanting to have to ask for help, not wanting to admit that you need help. And I, I see that in some of these articles I read when it came came to the hoarding and prepping, you know, taking pride in the fact, like you said, that I've accomplished this, I've done this, I've done that, I have this, I have that. But it, there's also another biblical mandate within all of this, and that is, I think, I don't remember if it was Paul or in James when it talked about one of the reasons we have extra is to be able to provide and help those in need around us, whether it's family or our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, that example with the storehouse, he may have had enough grain to last him for years, but what about his brothers and sisters mm-hmm. around him in need at that moment? Was he providing, was he giving from his extra to help others around him? You know, that's another mandate in the Bible, we are to help each other. We are to help the brothers and sisters. Um, look at um, Paul when they collected for the saints in Jerusalem during the time of the famine. They collected from the area they were in, and Paul and Barnabas took those donations back to Jerusalem to help the brothers and sisters in need. So, you know, were the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem in sin for not having stored up enough to last for years upon years during this famine? Or was it more biblical and more showing more kindness in Christ-likeness because of the brothers and sisters helping them out? You know, that, that plays a part in it, too. And I know that, with, like you pointed out earlier, today's culture is a lot different than during biblical times because, um, you know, the vast majority of people live in big cities and they're not farmers or you know, they don't live where they can hunt and fish or, you know, gather their own food and type things where, you know, they're dependent on these grocery store chains and supermarket chains. So, you know, it, it, there's, there's some distinctions in there, but still some things that 
you know, we can use as examples today. And just like the example you gave with you and your wife buying, you know, a few extra packs of meat or chicken, mm-hmm. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if your neighbor had ran out of food, you'd have been more than happy to give yep. from your extra. But that's the problem with most preppers and most hoarders. They're not doing it to lay aside extras to help people in need. They're doing it to make sure that their household will have enough down the road. I'm not saying that's the case in all circumstances, Mm -hmm. but going back to the illustration at the beginning of the show, talking about the Mormons and their mega million dollar warehouses and all that they've got stored waiting and, and put aside. What about the people in need now? What are they doing with those goods that they've gotten put back to last years upon years? What are they doing with those foodstuffs now? What about the people in need now? You know, shouldn't we have more concern about those in need around us now versus those in need seven years from now? Yeah. What do you think? Well, and I think that's that was one of the things where I, I wanted to make sure I did address that when I was going through this uh, passage of the, of the Rich Fool, is that we there are some people that do do this. I mean, you you watch any of these prepper shows or the folks who go and somehow clean out a a grocery store and then walk away with change, even though they spent no money with all these coupon craziness. There are some people that part of the reason they do these things is that they do help provide for others, and that's a that's a noble and a good thing. Just as it is to say, hey, I want to make sure there's some extra for my family should a disaster happen. There's, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's hurricane coming. You live in Florida, or there's, you know, wildfires coming, and it's it's damaged certain portion of the city, and you know, the supply chains could be disrupted, etc. Having that extra and saying, I want to provide for my family, or I I have extra, I want to provide for uh, my neighbors who may be in need. I think those are good biblical practices. Where I think the problem lies, it, Rich, and, and, and I would encourage our brethren, as you say, to don't just simply look at it from, I'm going to be prepped so I'm covered for the next year or whatever, but if the Lord has so blessed you to where you can have extra on hand, then who else can you provide for? Who else, whose else's needs can you meet? If it's simply solely for yourself or solely for your family, and you know there are others in need, that there could be an issue there. But there's one other issue, and it's from the same passage of Scripture, where, Rich, I think we look at these coming events... And we go, well, I, I've, I've got to be ready. I've, I've got to have this. I, I've got to have everything I need on hand. Immediately following this parable, Jesus teaches, starting in verse 22, he says, and he says to his disciples, said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They neither have storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you can be, can uh, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? This is not, again, Scripture is not competing with itself here. It's not saying in one hand, well, 
you know, work hard, have some on hand, provide for your family, but then turn around, oh, don't worry at all, God will feed you. And it's not saying, it, these aren't two uh, mutually exclusive concepts, they are compatible. It's the idea that you work and you provide and you, you store up what you need, but at the same time, your heart and your mind are not focus solely on am i going to have enough what you know do i have enough clothing do i have enough food do i have enough money because that is now taking it out of the hands of god and putting it in our own hands once we ass- hey brother yeah just clarity were you reading from luke or matthew uh still in luke chapter 12 um and you may have planned on this but i'm i'm going to jump the gun on you rounding that verse out <laughs> rounding that verse out and in luke and matthew they mirror each other mm-hmm. because both close with seek first the kingdom of god and all these things will be added to Amen. you so we should you know basically what that saying is we should be heavenly minded we should be kingdom minded we should be christ minded first and and concentrate on those things far above and beyond anything earthly when it comes to you know, food, shelter, and clothing, because just like that, you know, life is more than food or clothing. And we got to keep in mind, too, when Christ said this, he was addressing individuals that truly did not know where their next meal was coming from from one day to the next. Um, you know, they they traveled, Christ and the disciples, you know, they went all over Jerusalem and Israel traveling. And literally did not know from where their meal would come from one day to the next. Mm-hmm. And Christ is talking about trusting in the sovereignty of the Lord for these things. And this was to individuals, like I said, who did not know where they would be sleeping from one day to the next, who did not know whether what they would have to eat from one day to the next. And in today's world, you know, um, granted, there are people in our country now that do struggle from one day to the next knowing mm-hmm. where or what they're going to eat but the vast majority of americans today know that they have a meal tomorrow they know that they can go to this place or this place or this place and they will get help or they will get food or you know they know they have a job they have an income coming in they know that they can go to the grocery store and purchase what they need so even for us today more so than then we need to truly be focusing on the kingdom of Christ and being about his work and taking up our cross and following him. That should be our focus and concern, not being anxious over whether we're going to be able to find the next big thing in our collection of action figures or whatever it may <laughs> be that we're collecting and searching for and, and spending hundreds of dollars on this item or that item. Because, you know, in America today, we're very, very consumer driven. Um, there are literally thousands of different things people collect today. They spend hundreds upon hundreds of dollars on from lunch boxes to action figures to comic books to video game systems to tennis shoes. And, you know, then you get on the upper scale of that to where some people, you know, whatever this year's fashion is, they have to have the newest, most modern, you know, the, the newest car, the newest fashion, all of these things, all of which takes away and distracts us from focusing on the kingdom of God. And I don't know if you were planning on addressing this or not, but one huge problem, like with the Mormon church, that we see happening is not only were they hoarding food or still hoarding food and 
looking not at now or tomorrow, but they're looking years down the road. What about the article where it came to light that they had stored back, what was it, $100 billion in hidden assets mm. because yeah. of their planning for down the road? Yeah. And I, and I think that's where when Christ, you know, as he, as he wraps up this particular, in this particular passage of Scripture, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your God, Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think that's exactly the, you know, the point you're making, is that this issue of preparing and, and, and thinking that we're going to be able to overcome whatever obstacle uh trial tribulation you know supply plane disruption whatever you know the end of the world whatever what is the focus on it's focus on me it's the focus on my provision it's the focus on what i think i can accomplish and from that can go even further and further down the road as you say to where it's like i've got to make sure i have all the money i've got to make sure i have all the food i've got to make sure i have all these things because i've got to make sure that we are prepared and it, it's, it's suddenly now it's, it's the focus on that stuff on having exactly what you need and i'll tell you something if you ever watch some of these these programs where people do hoard up a lot of stuff there is there can be it it can become a very danger of the pride that you were talking about earlier they are proud of what they're able to do they're proud of what they've accomplished and yet the focus is on the self. It's on what I want, what I've accomplished, what I've gained. Christ is saying, and again, Scripture is consistent. It's not saying that you don't work, and it doesn't. it's not saying you don't store up. It's saying that that's not where your hope is. Your focus, your treasure is on Christ. Is Christ. It's in heaven. And so no matter what happens, whether you've stored up for, let's say, six months worth of, of stuff, or whether you've got enough for the next few weeks, um, or you've you've somehow you've managed to accomplish a kind of rotating, uh, you know, stock where you have enough for a year. If your focus is on that, Christ has said that's wrong because you're not to you're not to be anxious for those things. If your focus is I'm, you know, I'm doing these things because I want to make sure I'm prepared for my family, but tomorrow this house could burn down and I have nothing left. I've lost my job. The house is burned down and my, you know, half my family dies. Uh, you know, uh, let's say a job moment. Are you going to be crushed and destroyed because you lost it all? If that's the case, you've not laid up your treasure in heaven. If you believe that your what, what that prepper uh and that and i don't want to say prepper mentality it seems so derogatory but if you believe in that preparation and that's what your focus is on you are anxious about your life you are anxious about what you will eat and what you will have and so rich i i think there is a there is a balance in this that for for the christian that if we are not cautious, we can cross over into being like the the, the rich fool, or as James when he's uh, speaking to his uh, to the brethren when he says, 
in uh, chapter 4, verse 13, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So when we act as if, we are going to accomplish these things. And this is a guarantee. I, if I have all this, I've got it dialed in. I'm prepared. I'm ready. That's the same as the person who says, I will go to this town and I'm going to make a profit. You know, and, and what is James's response to that? He says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. That's verse 16. The idea that we can boast in the idea that we will accomplish this. We will be prepared for all things, that we will have more than enough. We will uh, you know, we will be able to uh, sustain ourselves through Armageddon, whatever the mentality is that drives you to this. It is a denial of God's sovereignty. It is a denial of God's provision. And it's arrogance because we think we can accomplish what the Lord may not intend for us to do. And so I think that, Rich, that's where the, the balance issue is a problem because once you start thinking, I can do this, I will accomplish this, I will do, you know, I will have enough, that's where we run into problems. And I think that's where you start seeing the, the, the mentality that says, I'm going to make sure I have not just for a few weeks, I'm going to have for a few months. I'm not going to just have for a few months, I'm going to have for six months, I'm going to have for a year. And that to me is it's it's not trusting in the Lord. It's assuming you have the ability to impact the future and you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And it's it's a denial of the idea that God knows what you need and will provide for you. We, we, the other problem with this, Rich, is, and, and I think when we get into this, we're going to prepare for the, the this terrible disaster or this terrible time. One of the things that we are guaranteed, and we've talked about this on the, on the show many, many times, we're guaranteed to go through suffering. We're guaranteed to go through trial and tribulation. If you believe that you can overcome that because you've prepared for it, then you've also denied scripture, which says, it may be God's intention that you go through suffering, persecution, lack. You may not have what you need. Do not believe that just because you have built up this storehouse, that the that God won't take it away from you. If He take you, know, it, what happens if He takes it away and you have nothing? Where is your trust? What have you put your hope in? And so that's why I say, Rich. I, that question of why are we doing it and how much and, and what are we seeking to accomplish, I think that lies at the heart of what the question of whether we should prep or hoard or whatever you want to call it. I, I, I believe there's wisdom in having sufficient to provide, but I think once we start going, well, I'm going to stock up for you know the you know, coming Armageddon or whatever you want to call it, Rich, I believe there's a very real danger that we as Christians are denying God's sovereign control over our lives and that we are doing what Christ said. We're being anxious about what we're going to eat and what we're going to have. Well, I'll 
share a quote from C.S. Lewis. He once said, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without <laughs> signposts. In today's prosperous, prosperous America, we've made hoarding just as easy, and the danger to our souls is just as real. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of a suiting, uh, suit, suited ending as we close out tonight's show. But real quick, one more aspect of the suggestion we had from Eileen. Um, what about those that say that this is no different than a retirement savings plan? And again, I think that goes back to, you know, what, what are you putting your hope in? Uh, you know, I, I have a, uh, I've talked about this online. I, I'm two and a half years away from retirement. The job that I work for provides a retirement package. So what happens tomorrow if the economy takes such a dump, I don't have a retirement in two and a half years? Like the state of Nevada, nope, sorry. You know, the economy turn, downturns so bad, there's, it's all gone. Okay, the idea that you can have a retirement account and or a savings account or a life insurance package that there is wisdom in putting things aside. But if your whole hope and guarantee is in that, then it goes back to what Christ said. Your hope is not in those things. We're not to be anxious for those things. So someone says, well, I, you know, I, I have a spot in my house where we put additional foodstuffs. If something happens, we have additional things. If my neighbors need help, I, I, I can, I can give stuff out. And so I kind of keep a rotating stock. It's, you know, it's, I'm not preparing for the end of the world, but you know, I've got a little, okay, I, I don't see an issue with that. But if your hope is in that as if, and Ask the people who, you know, 10 years ago when the, the market went belly up and lost all kinds of retirement, how many people went, my retirement's gone, you know, same thing. Where's your hope? I want to, I desperately want to retire in two and a half years. What happens if God says no? I, I'm going to have to live with that. Man, that, that would be hard for me because I really want to be done with this job, but if God says no, and he demonstrates that by his sovereign providential control of the universe, and I can't retire, then I need to trust the Lord and say, I'm going to keep working in this field. And in the same way, if, you're, if, you're, if you say that, well, it's no different than having a savings account or a retirement account or life insurance, Okay, where what happens when that's gone, when it's taken from you? If your mentality is, I, I, this is just like putting extra money in the bank. Okay, let's have somebody hack your bank account and take it all away. Now where's your heart? Same thing. Okay, I, there is wisdom in setting aside. There is wisdom for being prepared for lean times. There is wisdom and commands from scripture to provide for your family. None of that's debatable. When you, when your whole focus is that retirement account, that life insurance policy, that 
you know, that garage full of, or basement full of food. And you think that's going to carry you into the future. And you're going to be like that, that rich fool who says, I can rest, eat, and be merry. That's when we've gone the wrong way. We've taken it and said, this is, this is me accomplishing this. Rather than going, the Lord has provided for me. It could be here today. It might be gone tomorrow. But no, you know, whether we have or we lose, thanks be to God. And I think that's what I would want to encourage. By the way, that this Ultimate Survival Space article that you, you and I were talking about with the various passages, this guy really thinks that the Bible full-on says it's, uh, that prepping is aligned with the Bible, even though he gives passages that say, you know, there are places where, it, you know, the whole idea of hoarding could be seen as bad. So uh, even though that's going to be, the link's going to be in the article, you know, or in the show notes, just be aware. That's what he says. So it, it may seem a little contradictory to what we've been saying. But the reason I, I think we need to explain that, Rich, is that when someone says, well, it's no different than a, than a bank account. Okay, where, where's your hope? Where's your treasure? If you're, if you're lying up wealth in the bank because you think that's going to carry you through all the difficult times, what happens when the, the economy tanks? And the way things are going, that could happen. Um, in the same way, what happens if your prep is gone because of a fire? I mean, California has been having massive wildfires. What happens if your home is destroyed and it's all gone? Are, are you, are, have you focused your heart and your mind so on Christ that no matter how bad the situation may be, have you focused on him so completely, so dependent upon him that if he took it all tomorrow, you'd be okay? Because if you haven't done that, then you, then your preparation is your idol. Your your hope to bank against the difficulties of the future is the idol that you're wor worshiping at. And I think that's the danger, Rich. Whether it's uh, your bank account or whether it's uh, you know food food storage, either one they, that becomes an idol. If God takes it tomorrow and you lose it, well, without without realizing it, I just something just dawned on me. Tonight's topic is really a carryover from some of our previous shows when it when we discuss suffering and mm -hmm. trials and persecution. This is really no different. You know, people will try to do many things to avoid persecution within American Christianity today. Um, and this is really no different, you know, if you're trying to avoid persecution and you're trying to avoid suffering and you're trying to avoid hardship and you're trusting in all these worldly means instead of trusting in Christ, you may have a problem. You need mm -hmm. to step back and examine yourself and examine your walk with Christ and really truly look at your heart and ask yourself, what are you truly relying on? What are you truly trusting in? You know, are you trusting in your own ability to provide for your family and put back and, and have for 10 years down the road without trusting in Christ? You know, like you said, what are you, what, what, what will you do? Where will your trust be? You know, how will you handle 
if something happens and your account's wiped out, your home's wiped out, that basement full of food is flooded or, you know, a wildfire hits your home or a tornado or hurricane or earthquake or one of a hundred different natural calamities were to come upon you and your family, you know, where will your trust be? Where will your hope lie then? And ultimately all of these different conversations comes back into what you truly are hoping in. If you're hoping in Christ and striving for his kingdom, nothing that happens when it comes to unexpected occurrences should really surprise you because the Lord has promised you will be persecuted. You will face trials of various sorts. And tonight's discussion about food shortages and everything else would be a trial. Um, you will suffer. And sometimes, you know, we suffer and face things because of our own stupidity. But as a Christian, when we suffer, whatever it may be, and we're, we're paying the cost of it, it's to sanctify us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, 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 we don't enjoy the trials and suffering, and we don't enjoy the persecution, but we can rejoice knowing that we are truly saved in Christ, and anything and everything that happens now is not, nothing but a puff of vapor when it comes to our eternal salvation and our, our eternal joy in Christ, knowing that once we pass from this earth, that's it. We will be in eternal glory with Christ forever. Amen. And that's where we should place our hope, our trust, and our joy is in in the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. And as we close out, I'll let you have the final word. I'll just close like I normally do. Whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the gospel at least once a day. Amen. Amen. Folks, please do not misunderstand anything we've said in this program to suggest that we think that if you are involved in food storage preparation and all this kind of stuff, that somehow we think you're in deep sin or something like that. What we've asked you to do and what we've asked anybody to do is consider in the light of Scripture where there are commands that tell us to work hard, to provide, to ha- you know, to, to consider storing aside, is how far are you taking this? How, what is the mindset and the mentality? And if you genuinely believe that you will, you know, you will do this and overcome all, you know, the problems that you may be, you may face, that you will, uh, you know, like the rich fool, say, "I will have everything that I need and I'm good to go." We would greatly encourage you to think about what Scripture is telling us about that mentality. Because it, it demonstrates an anxiousness for what we will have and what we will eat. It shows a, a, a pride, a sense of pride in which we said we have accomplished this. We have not given consideration to God's sovereignty. We have not given consideration to God's provision. And it is possible that we are hoarding and preparing for ourselves with no consideration for others. Um, and, and how many of us have gone to the grocery store, by the way, to go buy stuff and it's all wiped out because people have panicked and done panic buying. So just another side of that to take into consideration, by the way. So I'm just, sim- we're simply asking you, what is the biblical model for these kind of things? And there is command for us to think ahead, to provide for, 
But there is also a command that we not bank on these things, that we do not put our hope and our uh, you know, and our joy and our peace in these things. Rather, we are to seek first the kingdom of God. We are to put complete faith and trust in that provision. And we know that no matter how bad or, or, or terrible things are, whether we are facing suffering or lack or loss, that we are in Christ in our uh, eternal home, there will never be those things. So take that into now your discussion about this. Where, where is your hope? Where is your desire? Where is your provision for? And if it is, if, if you find that you are attempting to justify, well, you don't understand. We've been through. I've dealt with this. I, all I'm asking you to do is think about what you're saying. Think about what we've said. We're not trying to cherry pick verses. We're not trying to, you know, um, tell you what you're doing is terrible and sinful and stop. We're telling you, go to the scriptures. Even the article we cited, which is actually in favor of prepping, says there there are, there are passages of scripture, some of which we refer to tonight. And that, those were, by the way, we didn't use those solely from his article. They just happened to coincide with what his article also said. Um, that I believe those are contextually accurate and have application to what we are talking about here. And it speaks to the human heart. It speaks to why we do what we do and how we should deal with that when we are, our focus is wrong. So things to consider. This is, especially in these days, you know, when supply chains are messed up, when we all know that there's stuff that hasn't even gotten off the docks in California and other places because the shortage of workers and because of things of COVID. And if you get into the conspiracy theories, then it's it's a whole nother, a whole nother. Conspiracy theories are being very, very hard to be theories anymore, I know. But the point being is that we know that there are, could be continued difficult times ahead. So before you start, Okay, let me look up all these websites on how to prepare. First, go to the Word. First, go to God in prayer. Check your heart. Check your motivations. And recognize, what happens if I get all of this and then God takes it away tomorrow? What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? If you can't respond in a glory be to God, there may be an idol issue. That's what we're hoping to to you take away from this okay your first focus is always christ and his kingdom be you know seek first the things you know the kingdom of god and all these things will be added to you correct please if you take anything away from the show tonight let it be that if you have issues that we say with things that we said you can always contact us at voice of reason radio at gmail.com please before you come and start pounding away at the email. Think about what we just said. Examine your reasons. Examine your heart. But what I'm going to ask you to do is don't come to me with personal experiences. Don't come to me with you don't understand. And you haven't thought of this or you haven't considered that. You know, this is why this is we need to do this. If you want to come to us with those things, believe me, we, we know those arguments. Because we've talked to people about those arguments. And we talk to each other all week about this. What I'm asking you to do is if you want to come and say, I, I think there's a bit other biblical considerations and here's what I want you to consider. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I, I'm not saying that we're controlling the narrative. 
I just, I don't want it to be an argument of personal experience or personal opinion, because that's not what we want this to be. We want this to be a biblical discussion. So th that's our concerns. But if you, again, if you don't like what we said, you're welcome to, to write us. We're fine with that. Um, again, we will, I will not be here this week, uh, as we discussed earlier, I will be at G3 and I am so looking forward to meeting some of you guys. Uh, it's just, <coughs> excuse me for it went dry. My goodness. I'm so sorry. Um, it is such a neat experience to realize there are faces that go with those download numbers or the, the emails that we occasionally get or the, the contact that we get on social media. So getting to meet people face to face and realizing there are folks that actually take time to listen to this. That's amazing to me. It still blows my mind. Uh, so I look forward to seeing you. I'm flying out of here Wednesday morning. I'll be there uh, early evening on Wednesday and uh, heading back to Nevada on fr uh, on Sunday. So if you're there and you see the... the sh I don't know why everybody was shocked I was short at Shepherd's Conference, but I'm five foot six. <laughs> I'm five foot, five foot six. I have very little hair and I have a you know, a, a, a small beard. I'm sorry. I don't have you guys a ZZ top beard, so get over it. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, if you see that guy wandering around looking like he's a, a, a first time attendee at a comic con, that's me S walk up, say hi. I would love to meet you. So, uh, R rich, I know, I know you did give your last word. Anything else you want to say before we go? No brother, just have a safe trip and, and enjoy yourself and, Give my love and regards to anyone that comes up and tells you that they listen to our little podcast. Absolutely, look forward to that. All right, folks, thank you for being with us. Uh, we will have we will have a program to air this weekend while I'm gone, and then uh, we will see you when I come back uh, the following week. And we will talk about G3, and we will talk about the things that happened there. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm going to be like a kid in a candy store. This is this this is a big one for me. I am so looking forward to this. All right, you guys. God bless you. Good night. We will see you next time.